everyone. Welcome to episode 138 of the Fitness Devil podcast. We brought Dr. Mike Gizertel on today. He's one of our favorite guests. Uh, everything that comes out of Mike's mouth is either, either intelligent, funny, or both. So we've got a bit of a, a wandering conversation. He's going to talk a little bit about some of the differences between the benefits of band training versus dumbbell training. Uh, we didn't want to get too heavy on technical stuff, but it's, it's more of a philosophical discussion. Uh, a little bit about being careful navigating social media discussions, especially with the extremes now about the, the crowd that want to save every life at any cost and lock us down for 18 months versus the crowd that are like, let's open this thing up. We want haircuts and sort of the, the straw man fallacies with those two positions. And then uh, just some thoughts on, you know, focusing on education and coming out the other side of this one more successful than ever. I uh, hope you guys are all doing well. Reach out to us, uh, me and Dean on Instagram. If you, you want to share any thoughts or just let us know how you're doing and hopefully you enjoy this episode. Shut up and sit down. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fitness Devil Podcast. Yet another episode in recent string of unscripted free rolls that we've been pulling industry leaders on here. And today we got Dr. Mike Isertel. He's been on with us a bunch of times, and I hope by now you know who this guy is. He's one of the most intelligent and certainly probably, yeah, he's the funniest person in our industry. And I'd love to see if anybody would be willing to step up and challenge that mantle. Pat Davidson could possibly, very similar humor. Pat Davidson's my funniest person in the industry. Yeah. Although a lesser known, Marcos Rodriguez is an little ace in the hole there, if you're familiar. Andrew doesn't know him, but he, you're right. It's, it's almost like that's comedy at its best. <laughs> so we've got my here because, well, I, I love hearing what Mike has to say on virtually any topic. There's obviously some policy in taking people outside their area of peace and, and getting their assessments on, you know, global pandemics and, and economic things and what have you. But nonetheless, what we've got is we've got a whole bunch of people who are in the same or similar boats. Our industry is getting kicked in the teeth. And we got a lot of people who are, are worried about their livelihoods and we want to see, well, first of all, Mike, what you guys at RP are doing, how you're navigating all this stuff and, you know, any wisdom or philosophy, both to navigate this for, you know, the, the personal trainer or the enthusiast, but more so how can they look to the future and come out on the other side of this one? Okay. And thrive. So floor is yours, wherever you want to take this one. Man, those are good questions. I'm not so sure I have anything resembling an expertly curated answer to those. Um, as far as... Let's start with how go ahead. handling it at RP. Let's, let's start. Hey, what are you guys doing? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's all proprietary insider business information. That's not for public discussion. You guys know this. Come on. <laughs> um, I know insiders there. I know, I know, I can get, I can get the deeds if I want. You think, you think Caroline's double agent, triple agent. She doesn't even, she's not even for RP. You think that she's giving you RP details, but she's really, it's even a third, it's all together. I'm telling you that. It's like one of those really bad movies where like you think that you found a bad guy and it's a mystery, but the, the good guy, it's not even the good guy that's the actual bad guy. It's another person altogether. And you're like, this movie sucks. Like that's what RP is like. What's Spencer's role then? Is it just to make TikTok videos? Is that his? I mean, he is the world's best, so we hire him exclusively for memes. Um, so at RP, you know, like uh, it's an interesting thing because um, uh, fitness is a relatively uh, luxury good as far as the goods and services we offer anyway. Um, so luxury goods tend to be reduced in their consumption during times of economic stress, because like, like at the end of the day, you don't really need an app to tell you what to eat. <laughs> um, you know, as far as that term need can be understood in any incremental sense, this is a, an app that tells you what to eat and when is kind of like the very, very first world solution. And if you have bigger than first world or the usual first world problems, you might not be tempted to use it. But um, the benefit to the RP thing is that our products are so cheap. It's not really like, you're not really forking out a ton of money, hardly any, any at all. So a lot of folks, I think, have been uh, just uninterested in not subscribing to our services anymore because they're like, well, geez, you know, I get this pretty 
gnarly value for super cheap just doesn't, you know, if I'm going to cut back, it's probably going to be in other places that are bigger, bigger spending. Um, people aren't going to the gym, which is strange, but a huge, huge, vast, vast number of people are still exercising and still very, very interested in how to eat well. To some extent, maybe more than usual, because if you have like a daily routine of exercise and a daily routine of eating, much of which you do outside the home and in conjunction with formal exercise, the questions about how do I eat well and how do I train sometimes become more magnified in situations like these because all of a sudden these are mysteries and folks look to companies, many, many of the very good ones, but including RP, um, to give them solutions to that. And like, how do I train during a quarantine? How do I eat? And perhaps some sort of system of tracking and system of coaching can help keep me on track and be kind of like an anchor of sanity during times like this, right? Because like the last thing you would want if you have sort of any disposable income for this sort of thing is for your entire life to be thrown upside down. And then also your diet makes no sense. <laughs> like you have no idea what to eat. And also you have no idea how to train. Uh, so at RP, we've, uh, we were, we had launched, um, oh, women's only no gym training template. Like all you need is a pair of dumbbells or really any size. And, uh, we had launched that a year ago, um, for the specific purpose of targeting a demographic of what happens to be mostly females that just like really aren't gym people, you know, or maybe not gym people yet. But like the gym to, to the three of us in this call or on this, uh, podcast, you know, the gym is a place where we sort of probably grew up and it's not scary. Admittedly, we're the scary people at the gym, uh, though not in any attempt to be so. But for a lot of folks, uh, specifically females, um, although culturally that's changing, uh, which is great, uh, a lot of females are still sort of like, you know, the gym's a weird, weird place, man. Weird place. Like if any of us walked into a ballet studio because our, our society we happen to live in was like a huge ballet society, don't you do ballet, hashtag ballet, and, you know, we'd be like, what the heck? What? Like, I feel strange. Why do I have to wear this tutu? But a lot of people feel like that in gym clothes and at a gym where people are staring at them. And, you know, most people at the gym aren't judging you because they're so selfish. They're busy judging themselves. But in reality, you know, it's a strange place. So we designed these um, workout templates to help people just train at home. And they saw a pretty decent amount of success uh, over the past year. And then all of a sudden when the quarantine hit, people were like, wait a minute, this thing is real? Why don't you make one for men? And to be honest, um, our first response was that we, uh, you know, we live in a patriarchy already, so we might as well even the odds. Just kidding, just kidding. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it is, it is, uh, it, it was a funny hypothetical answer I could have given. Like, oh yeah, like, or Mr. Man, you want more of society to be tailored to you? Or here's how it feels to be on the shitty block of that one. It's like, oh, okay, well, had that coming. But in reality, we actually um, were. Um, one of our team members kept saying, uh, who is a female, actually, she was like, why don't we have one of these for men? And we're like, well, because we have other projects we're busy working on. And to be honest, the male at-home training uh, is just not seemingly to us a very lucrative thing at the moment compared to the other projects we're working on. Because, you know, a lot more guys than, than gals seem to be like, you know, if they want to get in shape, they're just going to go to the gym, right? It's obviously not all by any means, but maybe so. So many more that it was to us like, okay, first we make the, the woman's, uh, the female gym free program. And then the male will like sort of tackle that when we have a lull in other projects. And then, so we were actually starting to work on that again, um, about a month or two before the quarantine, because we, we had no idea there was going to be a quarantine as to nobody else. So, um, it was kind of cool that like when the thing hit, like I sort of looked around and we were like, crap, we should get this thing rolling out now because, you know, admittedly for incredibly selfish reasons of wanting more money, duh, that's why we're all in business, but also because, you know, there's a lot of people being like, what the hell do I do in my training? And, and approximately, you know, 99% of all males in the Western world now couldn't go to a gym. There's a huge fraction of them who just sort of want to know what to do. So it took us just a few weeks actually to turn the product around and make it really good. And so now RP is selling male and female gym-free at-home programs. And these things aren't magical, like like everything else we do, they're not magical. They just give you um, some insight and some structure and take a lot of that creativity of like, you know, because here, here's, here's a real thing. This is actually pertinent to maybe personal trainers and other folks trying to get fit listening to this discussion. You could say to someone, like, here's a pair of dumbbells. Here you are at home. 
that designed me a, a program that is both highly effective and not a giant pain in the ass. Like we are trying to replicate gym exercises that, you know, awkwardly where you could just be using unique exercises you would only do at home if you had dumbbells, but you would never really do in the gym because you have benches and all this other stuff. So the design of that is actually quite frustrating and by no means obvious to many people, including myself. Like when we first sat down to make the female gym free program, we did get very creative with some exercises because for example, vertical pulling out, gone, no vertical pulling. Like many people would be like the way they would design, including myself, the way they would design an at home dumbbell program would be just analogs of the regular lifts. Like, okay, can't do barbell rows, dumbbell rows, can't do barbell press, dumbbell press. Right. But at some point, that doesn't make any sense because if you only have the 20-pound dumbbells, presses are out as far as horizontal pressing. It's just not heavy enough. And then vertical pulling's out completely. What do you do for leg curls? This, this whole lot of nonsense, right? So what these programs do is they solve all those problems for you by giving you lifts to execute in very interesting ways that end up maximizing hypertrophy, limiting the amount of time you spend doing it, actually, and just taking the confusion out and giving you an awesome periodized plan which you can reuse. Uh, and it's just super cool. So we managed to do that. And other than the long-winded advertising speech you just let me give for free on your podcast, thank you for that. Um, I, the the take-home message there is that, uh, you know, first of all, a lot of RP's products have uh, seemingly seen relatively good uh, utilization during the quarantine. But secondary, secondarily, we have these at-home things, and we've done other outreach methods, videos and instructionals and uh, articles. All that together seems to be uh, pretty effective. And... The best part about that from a, from a big picture perspective is we're actually able to help a lot of folks um, just sort of have one thing less that's confusing and different about these times, right? Because if you, for those of us who are in fitness and for those of us who maybe don't work in fitness, but um, fitness is a big part of our lives, it's like we're in a really weird situation. Like imagine being stuck in an airport or something. You can neither get the meals that normally sustain you and keep you healthy and are the meals that you want to take you on your performance and body comp goals, nor can you train. That's like a special kind of hell. You guys know what I mean? Like for those of us in fitness, it's like, what the hell am I even? Like I can't train. I can't eat normally. Like I'm just a regular person now. Like I don't even know how to live. That is um, sort of like this existential angst that I think a lot of folks experienced early on in the quarantine and probably some still are. I, I definitely experienced it. What the hell am Monday, we go to Iron Sport and we do incline Smith machine bench press. Like, that's just what we do. But we can't do that anymore. What the hell's going on? So I think through the diet and training stuff that we have at RP and that many, many other companies have put forward and folks are helping and trainers are helping with video consultations and stuff. I think it's just for those people for whom fitness is a big part of their lives or an important one. Um, it's just the ease, the transition and to be like, hey, look, listen, you, you're at home or wherever you um, or you can't go to the gym, even if you're an essential worker, you're still out working, you can't go to the gym, no worries. Here's how you can eat, even with these constraints, and here's how you can train super effectively. And all of a sudden, for a lot of people, that's sort of a big like, oh, think, okay, great. Once my fitness you know, situation is in order, man, you know, like I can watch a few episodes of Netflix a day in the quarantine is not as bad as it could be if everything was thrown off and there was no guidance for fitness. Real quick, I've got an idea for you. This could be a really versatile product. Just got you in to give you this idea. A, a <laughs> nutrient breakdown of uh, bats, because, I mean, that seems to be... A oh, thing. God. I didn't uh, know that's what you Pangolins. Mm -hmm. uh, the, and but various other odd sort of things that can be eaten, well, certainly in, in China, but in other places. And, I mean, forward-thinking... We may want to take a look at what's being eaten in Venezuela because uh, with where the economy may go in the worst case scenario, people may need to have the macronutrient information from uh, non-traditional food sources. So I don't know if you, you have any thoughts and run with that. I can no, I don't want Mike's thoughts on that because it's going to be bad. Yeah, the thoughts could potentially be bad. This, is, <laughs> this will be airing uh, at some point, so it can't be as bad as it would be in private conversation. But I will say this, the Venezuela diet is two things, incredibly effective at weight loss and illegal to sell because selling is illegal in Venezuela. So there you have it. It's, uh, it's something you get by state fiat. You have no choice. It's terrible. Let's bring, it's this, terrible. Back. Let's bring this back to the dumbbells because I think it, it was you who like got on a tear about you can lift with these dumbbells. Was that planned, like not planned, but like part of the reason why RP is awesome is because now you can be a figurehead and people can follow you and you'd be like, listen, 
you can do these things. Was that kind of the intent behind kind of telling people off in the sense that you can do this shit and still get big. You just need dumbbells and people like lost their minds. Uh, you know, so it, which part are you talking about? People lost their minds. Was it the part that I said dumbbells work just fine? Or was it the part where I said bands are uh, not the greatest thing compared to dumbbells and just body weight? I think it was that. I think it was, if I I can't even remember the exact, but there was like a few people that were like, "Oh, I can." Yeah, good. Let's hear it. Like, because we we just had again, we just had a podcast on Friday saying bands are st- are still good and they're not the B team, which is fine. Um, but let's hear your take on, on this, uh, this little war. Cause I think it's, I think it's pertinent because if, if you're at the top and you're saying these things, I think it's helpful for people to see different opinions on the matter. Yeah, sure. So the band's situation, I was on Jan Fries' podcast, which is a podcast that targets very advanced thinkers on hypertrophy. And most of the people listening to this podcast are people that would like to replicate very, very robust, um, hypertrophy outcomes at home. And, the question was sort of like bands, uh, are they worth it or are dumbbells worth it? Um, and are the, actually, can you guys hold on just one second? All right, one second. Seem to have a, a dog or m- maybe a murder happening in the background. I'm not really sure. I heard something. It's definitely funny. probably a murder. He talked about bats. And- <laughs> you did. Anyway, sorry guys, I'm back. I had to, there was a bat loose in my <laughs> I had to kill it really quick. Don't worry, the stew will be made soon. Make sure you cook um, it. Like eating raw bats, I've heard bad things happen. It sounds like we planned nonsense. That. When you were gone, we were saying there's probably something going on with bats, and then you came back and said, yeah. "It sounds like it's planned." So perfect. We're keeping. Yeah, great. Exactly. Um, well, yeah, so yeah. my pers- my perspective on on trying to impose a very robust hypertrophic response. Was it in my estimation, just one pair of dumbbells of an, an intermediate weight, which means you can do it with some serious modification for sets of up to 30 and 40 with your legs and your back, and you can use the same dumbbells for sets of 5 to 10 for like shoulders and biceps or something like that. So like for what many people, a 20 or 30 pounder would be, right? Or a set of those. So I said one set of dumbbells, in my uh, opinion, was better than a set of bands by a very real amount for the advanced hypertrophy training. And I got shit from this. Uh, I got so, so shit from two sources. I got a very reasonable amount of shit from my own co-worker at RP, Gabrielle Fandaro. Um, <laughs> she was, uh, we had a, a, several lengthy discussions about my opinions on this matter. And I came to what we, I think I assume is an understanding. She probably still disagrees with me, but that's, you know, with RP, we have zero dogma. So a bunch of us disagree with each other. And it was all really good. And her, her reasoning on it was very well thought out. And uh, she presented her, her opinions to me very um, uh, sort of, maybe not palatably, but uh, made sense what she was saying, where she was coming from. The other person who really, uh, in, publicly anyway, that, that I knew had a real big issue was, was Lyle McDonald. Uh, <laughs> but he's a fucking idiot. And uh, he's a fucking idiot, coward, asshole. Any number of bad things I'm very comfortable saying about him. And also his opinions on most things are wildly irrelevant because if you try to ascertain what it is he actually means, he never clarifies that. He just insults you with what I would also say is a very poor ability to insult people cleverly. Mm-hmm. Um, as you, as evidenced by my podcast where I debated him with Steve and he had basically dick to show for his usual online cleverness. So in any case... As far as I'm concerned, there's really, really, really one sort of stream of thought. And, and the thought was this, was that if bands, you know, was I really claiming? So, so what I said was um, on Jan's podcast was like, look, if you aren't going to buy a set of dumbbells and you think that that's too much money, which is a very, very fine opinion to have, then bands are almost certainly not worth your money because they're just very, you know, if the money thing is such a big deal to you, which is totally understandable, then you should just do plyometric workouts or whatever, uh, so what is it called, calisthenic workouts at home uh, and just don't even bother with the bands. And so the protestation about that was that, look, bands are, am I saying that bands are not any better than training with just your body weight? No way. They're absolutely better by a long shot, right? But they do cost money. Let's say bands, a set of bands cost $20, right? Okay. So $20 is 
and you get a pretty decent effect out of them. Way, way, way better than training at home. On the other hand, a pair of dumbbells costs, oh, I don't know, $60 or something like that. That seems reasonable. And mind you, this isn't like an adjustable, super crazy dumbbell set, just literally two dumbbells, right? And they cost much more money, three times more money than the bands, but they, in my estimation, are much more hypertrophically inducing for advanced individuals to whom the money makes sense to spend to begin with than bands, right? So for a variety of reasons we could get into here, if you guys like, the force curve for most banded exercise is stupid and backwards. Um, the amount of creativity people think they have with bands is incredibly limited by when you're just at home because you can't pin the bands to a variety of things, right? Like you don't have a rack to support bands. So already you're sort of screwed. If you don't have a pull-up bar and you know, you have bands like that goes out the window. So it turns out that I, in my opinion, dumbbells, if you look at it as, um, a variable, known as price performance, it should really be named performance price if we're being super technical, but price performance is, is a concept from economics and you could say also computing. Whereas like, so, so for example, the price performance means how much performance do you get versus the price you're paying, right? That, that's all, that's, that's, that's all. So for example, a computer in the 1990s was like awful in performance and expensive as fuck. And nowadays the same computer, you can't get the same computer, but if you want the same performance, the price is like free and or pretty close. And if you want 50 times the performance, the price is like a 10th of what a computer used to cost. So, you know, like a shitty smartphone's like $200 and it's way, way, way outperforms a computer from the nineties. That was 2000, right? So the price performance is the division of performance by price. Way more powerful. Here's the thing. We're putting Say like what? rockets on the moon. Uh, back in the 70s and shit, right? Oh, yeah, for sure, right? Yeah, that's like a fucking, today's toaster can fucking do the calculations required to do that. So, so it, like, it, it might be that modern refrigerators have more computing power than the Apollo 11 uh, capsule. That, that, that oh, may actually be true. So, so in any case, it's like the computer that figures out if it's filled your water bottle yet. <laughs> um, so in any case, um, what ends up happening is if we have performance divided by price, uh, in my view, the landscape for the three options uh, of training at home with nothing, training at home with bands, and training at home with dumbbells looks like this. The price performance for training at home with nothing is actually pretty good because the performance is not that great. You don't get as much out of that training. So you get plenty. You don't get as much out of that training as you would with bands or with dumbbells. But the price is literally zero, right? So bad, bad, and that's hard to beat. Now, I'm not saying the denominator in this case should be zero and this the price performance is infinity, right? Because you can still calculate costs in, in many other ways, how much time you spend doing it, so on and so forth. But that, it's hard to beat free. So we have a pretty decent price performance, not that great, on the one side with training at home by yourself, no bands, no dumbbells, just you and your own agony. Then we move over a little bit to the right and envision where on that curve of price performance bands are. And bands make your training a little bit better, um, but they cost money. And if you are very financially constrained, and I'll give you an exact figure for financial constraint, enough to wear a 20 to $60 purchase, it weighs down on you, which by the way is the same general range because a response to this could be like, well, dumbbells are $60, bands are 20, isn't that great? Look, if $20 is a lot of money to you, there's no universe in the real world in which 60 is not also a lot of money, right? Period. So if someone's like, you know, I'm going to go with the bands because they're cheaper, that person either just doesn't care a ton about their fitness or is so financially constrained that in my view, paying the $20 is probably not a good idea because the price performance of the free at home, no bands is so close, right? It's still a very effective way to train. So for bands, you get a pretty decent bump in performance. But because it costs 20 bucks, the price performance, in my view, of bands for an advanced trainee may be lower or not much higher than training at home with nothing. So what I said on that podcast was, look, if, if $60 dumbbells or whatever is too expensive for you, which is totally understandable, then just doing calisthenics is probably your best bet. Because on price, I didn't say the price performance part, but because on price performance, I think doing free workouts at home, completely free, probably beats it. Not on performance, right? You don't get as good of results. But ratio to price, probably better just not buy anything at that point. 
But here's the big kicker. If you are going to buy anything, then the $60 dumbbells are, yes, more expensive for sure, but give you so much of a bigger yield, especially if you're advanced, which is when bands really start to have huge limitations. And mind you, my podcast uh, content or the uh, audience for Jan's podcast was folks that are more advanced. If you are in that position, then dumbbells uh, have a price performance higher than bands and similar to, if not better than, at-home training. Now, that, uh, sorry, the at-home training without any bands or any dumbbells. So that price part is the variable isn't just linear of like how much it costs. It's your ability to afford relative to other priorities and finances in your life. And that performance part isn't the same for all people either. It's how much yield relatively to other things do you get out, which is very different for beginners versus the advanced. So for example, if a beginner person or someone who's just, just has been lifting weights for like a, a year or two, to them, bands would actually make sense. And what I would say would be roughly equivalent to a dumbbell purchase. For more advanced folks, I don't think that's the case. And if you're more advanced, you probably have a lot of the economic means within your overall spending to be prepared to spend a little bit more on fitness because that's probably, you know, you being advanced means you probably value fitness to a considerable extent. You're willing to show that with your money. Now, if you do not have the financial means to purchase 60 pound dumbbells in the sense that you would find that purchase incredibly constraining or literally impossible, I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense to purchase something that is $20. Because if you're that financially constrained, mind you, that's a one-time purchase of $60, right? The vast majority of the world spends more on that in one month for just sheer piss-away entertainment, right? If $20, or sorry, if $60 is a lot of money to you to spend on dumbbells and you claim to be super interested in working out and you're not living in a third-world country, the $20 bands, I, in my estimate, are... A fine idea, but not as good of an idea. So what I would say is the dumbbells win that one. And then at-home training for advanced people who are really financially constrained takes a second place. And then dumb, uh, the bands take a third place. So that generated the, the amount of currency. Because it kind of sounds in a way that I'm saying like, look, either fucking pay $60, you poor motherfucker, or don't even bother. You're just a recreational piece of shit. That's it, what it sure can seem like that. Yeah. So, like this is what sucks, and like this is why it's kind of funny having you on because you're kind of open about this stuff. But you go on and put something that's like helpful, and then everyone shits on it, and then you can't get out of it unless you explain it like that, which is like a lot of work. So like, where's <laughs> and I don't even know if there's a question here, but like, how do you handle that shit? Because you have to think about things, but you just want to help, and you're just saying shit, and then you get shit on if you do, and you get shit on if you don't. Like, how do you? <laughs> Like, what's, what's your thoughts on that? Because, like, that's a long answer to, like, say, I just gave you something for free. Like, why are you so mean? So, I have, I have a multi-part answer to that, as you may have predicted. One, I'm not, I don't really so much care if people are upset at something that is absurd and I don't think was ever meant in a harmful way, because it for sure wasn't on my end, nor is it causing any harm, right? Like, if I, like accidentally knocked over an old lady i would feel fucking awful like you know that gut feeling like terrible i did something super wrong feeling that right i don't get that from making posts that i think are both defensible and true right and incredibly well-intentioned so when people are like oh dr mike's an asshole i'm like well i know that's not true in this case anyway <laughs> generally it's for sure true but so so all of a sudden you know like uh, it's totally cool like if I don't know, if there was like a murder in the neighborhood and the cops came and they wanted to investigate it and talk to me and I was a suspect, I'd be totally cool about it because I didn't kill anybody, you know, like easy, sweet. I'll tell you whatever you want. I would love to help as a matter of fact. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I actually don't get a whole lot of people who are confrontational about it. Um, Lyle never brings the shit to me or almost never. He just talks about it as little bullshit backwater forums or where people fanboy the fuck out of them. Um, and most of the other people never tag me or or anything like that. Uh, the way I come to find out about these things sometimes is that some folks will like send me a Facebook message and be like, hey, the people are talking shit on this forum. And sometimes I'll like go look through um, and they'll be like, oh, okay, like, you know, some of this makes sense and maybe I try to clear it up. But a lot of times it's just like a bunch of incels being like, yeah, he's a total cunt and this and that. And the thing is like, in real life, not that this matters a whole lot, but in real life, these people wouldn't fucking, they wouldn't fucking, they wouldn't raise their fucking brows at me. Uh, and that doesn't make me special or tough. They don't raise their brows at anyone. They don't fucking leave the house. The quarantine didn't change shit for them. So when a ton of fucking like Reddit incels or the people are making, quote unquote, like taking issue with your statements, like don't worry. They take issue with, can you, can you get, 
Can you guys hear me still? Absolutely. I'm just killing okay, myself. Sweet. Say that again? I'm just killing myself laughing. Try not to laugh on oh. the thing. Then Sorry, it, okay. It would, it would overshadow the, what's Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, like, uh, how do I say this politely? I'll say it impolitely. Um, these are the people that have Instagram profiles with no picture, no posts. I don't actually consider them people. If I can't tell you apart from a bot, you're a fucking bot. So if you get upset, no, it's okay. Robots get upset. They're not really upset. You know, and if you want to show me that you're a real life human being and what I said upset you, have a fucking picture on your profile and be a real fucking human being. Put at least one picture of yourself up in your kitchen and be like, hey, I'm alive. And then bring your shit to me. And I promise you, in almost every case, I will hear what you have to say and I will represent my argument in a reasonable way that it is like, hey, look, this was my perspective. I totally didn't mean to shit on anybody. Uh, but if I, if you got that perception, I totally see how you got that perception. But here's what I actually think. And if after that um, uh, interaction, they still find what I said offensive, then, you know, hey, look, listen, sometimes we all get upset and that's okay. So there's not a huge downside of these sorts of things for me. Um, if people, people talk that shit, you know, um, like it doesn't you know what i mean like people always yeah. talk that shit if, if a bunch of they do it behind your back they do it in front of your back it's okay well, um, that's i look at it like, i was gonna say it ends up becoming an us versus them thing but then is that like helpful to the bottom line because at the end of the day like that was like a process in which people had an opinion about but then you still have a product that kind of you believe in and then does that translate into people like supporting you more even though there's a lot of this noise like does that make sense so the, the fr fraction of people that buy products in the fitness industry and the intersection of them with like the incel community is fucking tiny. As a matter of fact, most of those people just pirate shit anyway, right? Like I've had those people message me about books I've written and I'm like, oh yeah, like when did you buy your book? And they're like, well, actually I got it off 4chan. I'm like, oh, right on. Like you're fucking, that's kind of callous. You'd be like, hey, what did you mean on chapter four? I didn't pay for your book. Like, and it's, it's great that they fucking, fucking, fucking pirate away, you know? But like, I'm not so worried about selling my products to these people because they don't fucking buy products to begin with. And to the extent that I am concerned about selling products to them, uh, you know, when I communicate an idea a bit more vociferously than usual, it, it stands to reason that I might alienate some people. And when I was podcast, and just when I'm on podcast in general, there are times when I explicitly speak for RP, which I usually say, uh, probably always say, and there are times when I'm speaking for myself. So there is like this, you know, entity of like Dr. Mike, whatever fucking bullshit that sits separately from RP, and I see all kinds of fucked up shit. And, um, and actually, Gabby had an issue with this, a very good one, when she brought up to me that she's like, well, you know, you're speaking for RP, and not all of us in RP think bands are dog shit. And I was like, well, you know, I totally hear you, and that's a very, very uh, um, pertinent concern. My view of the matter was I was speaking for myself and not trying to represent what everyone at RP thought, but I may have assessed that in, uh, situation incorrectly. So there's definitely a limit to how sort of in your face unapologetic I can be. And I usually just try to be reasonable. Um, but, you know, the way I said those things combined with the way they were interpreted selectively by people uh, sort of made a little bit of a mini perfect storm of Mike's, Mike is a real unreasonable piece of shit. And I might be a piece of shit. So I'm rarely unreasonable. Um, even if my reasoning is wrong, I'm still trying. So, yeah, you know, like I think at the end of the day, the most, the way you get most profits is you make awesome products and you politely sort of show them to people and say, Hey, this could help. Would you like to maybe give this a shot? And they say yes. Um, and then when you're on someone's podcast talking about really advanced hypertrophy and three or five people on the internet get upset at something you said, it's an opportunity to clarify some things, which I did on my own Facebook, by the way. And nobody fucking commented on that post. I was fucking pissed. I was like, <laughs> I, I, I took time on that post I talked about because I was like, y'all motherfuckers want to shout out the title because they were saying, uh, I think Lyle and a couple other people said that I was like a, an elitist, a, like yep. a wealth elitist. And the thing is, like, I've been poorer than Lyle will ever be, hopefully, unless the United States economy collapses like to infinity, because I grew up in the Soviet Union. Like I stood on actual bread lines, uh, you know, and I shared like a little story of my childhood. Of like, you can call me a lot of things, wealthy elitists will not be one of them. Like, you can call me that, it's just not true. Uh, and then I gave my perspective on that I do think that people of very limited means should be very careful with their spending. Which is like, rocket science if you're an insane person, but completely obvious if you're anything else. So at the end of the day, like, I'm comfortable with my opinions. And because I think I'm right, and because I'm very open to being shown that I'm wrong, I have nothing to lose from engaging with anyone or putting my views out. The worst possible thing that could happen if someone really, really shows me that I was wrong, and they'd be like, dude, thank you so much. I don't have to be wrong anymore. I completely rescind my earlier views and replace them with these views that I've now inherited from you. Thank you. And the other thing that can happen, and there's a spectrum in between, is they're just completely wrong, and I stand my ground, and 
not saying my ground of like, oh, I'm never going to admit to you shit. I'm just like, oh, I still think I'm right. And everything you said is fucking wrong, respectfully. <laughs> and I'm still right. So anywhere in between uh, is super awesome for me. Like, I'm not attached to any opinions, period. It just at all. Let's, uh, let's actually take a couple of those things and merge that in another place of you being very reasonable in discussions. And I've certainly found that. Trying. <laughs> We're talking about economics and stuff too. And you know, there's sort of this weird debate that our industry has popped up with. And I find there's a few individuals who are very extreme on one side where they're basically saying that, you know, if you say anything other than we need to keep this shit locked down to save every life, you're a complete fucking monster. And then there's the other end of the spectrum that says, fuck everyone just open it all up. Those are the extremes, but I find those two sides are yelling at each other. But the, the side on the, well, we'll say the left, the ones who want to save every life possible, despite the fact we have a global pandemic and we're supposed to be flattening a curve, they're pretty much screaming at the middle ground who are like, hey, you know, I, I, I don't have a paycheck. Um, I can't pay my rent. You know, maybe there's a reasonable middle ground. And you're seeing a lot of really nasty shit there. So I don't know, just like, I, I know where your thoughts lie on this one, but perhaps some thoughts as to, to navigate that. Just one quick thing I was going to say is I'm tending dis, to discount the ones who are, who are financially very, very secure, but yet screaming at everybody else that the only way is, nope, we've got to keep us, us locked down for 12 to 18 months until we get a vaccine. You know, we, we can't risk a single life when these same people aren't screaming about uh, getting every car off the road because of a car accident or all this lifestyle stuff because of heart disease and cancer and, and other preventable diseases. Last thought, I'm gonna get yelled at for going, well, those things are totally different than a virus that can spread rapidly. It's like mm, 2.5 million Americans died last year from all-cause mortality. And one of the issues I have with there being actually some validity to that comparison is that uh, where the fuck were you caring about all the shit about all these people? All of a sudden, this one specific thing is disproportionately where you're having a screaming match about. Anyway, floor is yours. Yeah, listen, I, I hear you on that. Um, so the crazy people on the left and the right are, I suppose, interesting to watch. It's a good way to pass the time when you have extra free time during quarantine is uh, introspection into insanity. Or <laughs> um, I will say that... A lot of folks who seem crazy and maybe are exhibiting some decent insanity are uh, the huge fractions of them. I'm not willing to posit what fractions, but huge are coming from in every understandable way and absolutely really, really good place. Right. Um, the crazy left wing, let's shut down the economy forever. People, um, most of them honestly believe that any alternative short of that results in mass death that could have been completely prevented. Now, like, if you are on the other side, if, if, the, if the argument was really that simple, we know it's not. But if you honestly have assessed the situation, have come to the conclusion that anything short of approach A results in countless amounts of preventable, uh, needless, in every sense of the word, mass death, and... If you understand that and you're not for option A, I mean, your views are pretty reprehensible, right? Like, they should be. So when people honestly believe that the super quarantine, we could call it, or super lockdown, is absolutely unequivocally the best possible way forward, I absolutely see where they're coming from as far as their passions. And, I mean, look, fuck, like, you know, if, if we had, like, <laughs> we make a really stupid, um, stupid uh, analogy here. Let's say, like, uh, oh, yeah, actually, this was in a movie. Uh, what was it Independence Day? Remember Independence Day? Um, Do you guys remember that movie or no? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, well, thank well, God. Well, I was going to say, oh, I never saw it. I would have just hung up the phone. Well, we're from Canada, though, so, like, literally, we don't give a shit. But, like, right, but, bro, the aliens attack all of us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if, like, during that time, like, in that universe, like, LA is fucking nuked by that laser, and New York, and then Toronto's just totally normal day. They can, the aliens were like, oh, yeah, fuck Canada. Um, anyway, yeah, I guess we'll get there later. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so, <laughs> in, in that, uh, there was, like, a fake news, it's all fake, right? It's a movie. There was a news uh, announcement where, like, folks, we urge you to please not fire your weapons at the alien ships, <laughs> because this was before <laughs> they knew that they were violent. Like, that's the kind of hillbilly dumb fuckery yeah. that has been shown on the other side of this. And it's like, if, if it was like, if aliens really did come to earth and people were shooting at them for no good fucking reason, 
I, myself, you two would be just as livid on Facebook about people firing their guns at the fucking alien ship. But do you understand you provoke a fucking extinction level war? What the fuck is wrong? Like, there's no right answer to when that's a good idea. Like, don't do it. <laughs> so to some people who have analyzed the situation in their own way, often with buttressed by a selective reading of expert opinion and uh, CDC and stuff like that, can come away with the idea that anything short of a massive lockdown is the best possible thing. And I absolutely see how they could, how they could be really irate. I mean, and then to fuel that fire, there's completely insane, I don't even want to call them right wing, they're right wing, but like not throwing the intellectual rival at right wing, like just insane conspiracy theorist. Fuck man, it's, it's tough. So like I seem to be in the fitness industry that I gave the left the most shit. That's actually true because I expect more of the left because people on the left are usually smarter than people on the right. Not always, usually I expect more from them. And I'm harder people on the, for the same, say what? I'm harder on the left for the very same reason because they right. are supposed to have the moral high ground. Right. Right. Like, Correct. And, and, and they love science supposedly. So waiting on that. But in any case, the, uh, you know, there's people on the right being like, I don't care how many, you, what was that guy? I saw a couple people on Facebook being like, let the old die. Like, what the fuck? Like, really? <laughs> you don't really mean that. Because if you really mean that, maybe you could say, let the weak die. And then if you really mean that, I'm going to show up to your house and fucking kill you because I'm stronger than you. Oh, but that's not cool. Right? So at, at some point, there's more, there's enough people on the other side to sort of like incentivize the crazy pro pro quarantine forever leftists to like really be like, no, you don't understand. We have to yell at people on Facebook. So I get it. I get it. Um, the nuance comes in where uh, mostly through a knowledge of economics, probably, but not a ton of high level, super crazy econ, just the understanding of costs and trade offs. Um, and people like will say, for example, I was engaging, unfortunately, in a Facebook discussion yesterday where a Facebook friend of mine had a problem that uh, Georgia, the state of Georgia in the United States, was going to be like releasing uh, people to go to work sooner than other states were and supposedly to save money because uh, they were going to run out of money for unemployment insurance. They're just not going to be able to have any money to pay people. And then so this gentleman very respectfully found this to be at odds with what he thought was the right idea. And I came in and I said, you know, um, is the money saved by not like taxing people more to pay for unemployment? Could that money be spent in a way that supports life even more than the life saved for letting people return to work? That question, by the way, never went answered. But a follow-up question from another person in the thread, uh, this girl asked me, she's like, so do you value funding more than human life? And I, I wanted to every part of my being to be like, yes, I'm going to make this debate very easy for you by telling you that I'm actually Hitler reincarnated. But like an evil capitalist version of Hitler who's like greedily rubbing together dollars while physically sitting on decaying corpses of the poor from whom I extracted that money for some uh, as yet unknown physical process, right? I love it when human life is lost for money. Like, I just want to be like, you honestly believe that people have these opinions, but then the right-wing insults are like, yep, that's what I actually believe. And you're like, fuck, <laughs> well, I'm not one of those people. <laughs> so... The reality is that like any amount of money or resources diverted to a certain problem or to prevent a certain number of deaths is by definition money and resources, including time resources, that could have been used to prevent deaths or extend life in many, many other ways. I'll bring up one super quick example. Um, if you really believe that quarantining to save life, uh, to save, let's say, you say, okay, like, if 10 million Americans were going to die in the next month, if we didn't quarantine, should we quarantine? Of course we should fucking quarantine. Love of God, 10 fucking million Americans, right? Or Canadians. Nobody cares about Canadians. I'm just kidding. That's a lot different. For sure. Right. So, so then, and then you would say, okay, okay, what about a thousand? If a thousand Americans are going to die of something, is it worth the quarantine for one month? Like, and we're talking about like, let's say economic activity uh, reduced by, uh, Jeez, $100 billion. Easy. Right? A month of Americans not going to work, $100 billion, no problem. Right? It's okay. It's a thousand people. What about like, what about one person? One person's life can be prevented if we quarantine, or one, one person's death can be prevented if we quarantine the United States for one month and say, okay, yes, because one, any life, all lives matter in the sense that any number of lives matter. Like one person, we should do everything we can to save every life because people actually say these things. These things, these words come out of their mouth and never. 
inspected them at a deep level to understand that they're wildly false. So, okay, I'll say, okay, that person's life is now worth $100 billion. Makes sense, right? It's worth not in the sense of a moral worth. Lives don't have a moral, lives are infinitely worthwhile morally, but in the real world, things cost money, right? So we're giving up $100 billion to save this person's life. Let's say aliens kidnapped them and gave us a month-long ransom. They're like, we're going to kill Jim Bob from Oklahoma with our phaser gun, but then we're going to leave, and you guys are all fine, unless you pay us $100 fucking billion by stopping your economic activity. Uh, we are reducing it by you know, 20% and is working on our alien spaceship, and we're never going to pay you guys for that. right? People say, yes, absolutely, you have to save Jim Bob. Save Jim Bob. Okay, interesting. For that $100 billion, and this is the only example I'll give because everything else can be extrapolated off of it. We can take that $100 billion instead. Sorry, Jimbo. We are going to use it to help accelerate clean drinking water and vitamin mineral enrichment programs in Africa. And through $100 billion fucking dollars of that money, we are going to give life and health to tens of millions of people. So. Let's go back to the COVID-19 situation. How much economic activity are you willing to suppress for how many lives saved is a fucking terrible question to have to ask. But it's not a question you have to ask in terms of money for money. You can ask it in lives for lives. So instead of suppressing our economy by 20%, maybe we could suppress the economy by 15% and take 5% of economic activity and fucking donate it to Africa to and enhanced nutrition. And then we will be saving and creating and enriching way more lives like that than if we did almost no virus control whatsoever. Now, is that morally the right thing to do? Are governments responsible to their own citizens, to you know, people, you know, older people are at risk? They've been paying taxes for fucking forever, and now the government's just gonna give money away to other people. Oh, you know, you guys aren't important anymore. Thanks for this money, by the way. Go fuck yourselves. Those questions are entirely moral ethical questions, but they're no longer financial questions of any kind, right? So the question is never, uh, in these cases, is it money versus saving people? It is how do we best go about a combination of saving people and making sure we're not spending so much resources saving one group of people that we neglect to potentially understand these resources can be used to save other groups of people. Now, of course, there's tons of middle ground. There's tons of nuance. But when people say like, you know, you know, we have to lock it down because you know, we have to save every life, they're coming from an absolutely awesome, awesome place. But based on the idea that every resource is limited and we have to figure out how to use our resources best to create the best life as possible for as long as possible, including future concerns, all of a sudden this funding versus lives debate disappears completely and we just have to ask ourselves what sorts of situations are we willing to get ourselves in, what sorts of trade-offs make some sense. Uh, and that is a much more nuanced discussion where instead of being pro-quarantine or anti-quarantine, you quickly begin to realize based on the mass amount of evidence so far gathered that up front, like was that article, the hammer in the dance? It's a stupid fucking name. I can't believe they named it that. They got part two article that talks about let's learn how to dance. Like people are fucking dying titling an article dance. Anyway, that's not a hammer. Yet. So it's actually a very, very good article, right? And it says like upfront major quarantine for a few weeks or a month or so is a really, really good idea. And then after that, the economic costs start to outweigh everything. And also we have hospitalizations under control. So it's probably a good time to start in some reasonable way working towards opening up the economy more while of course keeping tabs on infections and so on and so forth managing the situation now that view that i just presented is very close to unanimous among epidemiologists and economists but god damn it doesn't really talk at the heartstrings huh because you get neither sides of the crazy people the crazy people want quarantine for 18 months because of that wildly outdated imperial college study that came out like two months ago that's side number one. And everyone, by the way, who isn't for a super quarantine is a fucking killer, Nazi, right? Um, and then on the other side, and in, in literally, unfortunately, the other side of this is Bill Gates. Uh, let me get this straight. Hold on. I gotta, I gotta, let me really, really warm this up. You, actually, let's start you like Bill Gates or not? I want your st stance. As a, as a human being, I've never met him. I think, yeah, okay. It's irrelevant. Let's let's see where Mike's going with this. I uh, I mean, so I can tell you, like, based on my calculation, more worth. Bill Gates has produced. Uh, is, so for Microsoft Excel alone, I would gladly kill myself a hundred times over to save like Bill Gates' finger. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, <laughs> so 
Um, let me get this. Let me get this. Okay, uh, here we go. So, Bill Gates made the five G towers, but he wasn't going to be able to get enough of them made to have enough people to kill because he really likes death. So, because he wants to depopulate the earth. So he made, he went to China and started the Coronavirus Institute, faked the bat story, made coronavirus, which gives you, co but it doesn't really give you coronavirus because it's really the 5G that's causing it. And then dot, 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 profit. Guys, what do you think? I figured it out, didn't I? Plus forced vaccine, mass vaccination. Right. Duh. He's not trying to, microchips come in. When he's not trying to save Africa. Or whatever he's doing shit. I mean, that's all like, that's a false flag. You know, he's not saving anyone, right? Um, he's a big fat cat at the top and he wants to do something bad. I know he's bad. I just don't know why. But 5G is sufficiently complicated enough where I, that could posit as an explanation for why he's bad. That's like, it's, it's, it's funny because it's like you say that and then I go back to your example of shooting guns at aliens. <laughs> just yeah, like, those people are real, man. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the the weird thing is, and like we kind of always get in this discussion, it feels like with you. But it's like you you explain this thing, and like you're a smart guy, and you you go into this. But it, it comes back to this: you almost have to have like a secondary job in learning economics and politics and all this stuff to have a conversation. Yet fitness professionals are jumping in to say shit like that about Bill Gates. They're basically shooting their guns off, and it's just like I don't. <laughs> It just seems like such a waste of fucking time and ill-informed almost. My thoughts on this one, and Mike, you're actually sort of an anomaly within this. Uh, I'll explain because you actually will spend some time involved in, in nuanced discussions uh, that the, <clears throat> there's, there's a couple of circles in, in social media in the fitness industry. If anyone ever sees it or, or gets sucked into it, there's one that tends to be much further on the left and they tend to become a very big echo chamber. And there's a few notable individuals who like to, you know, they're, they're, they got some big egos and they like to spout off there and then they're very intolerant towards anyone who doesn't fit that. And on the other side, there's this group of people who tend to be more right-leaning. And what I find in both of those circles, the people who get in the middle of it is very, very few of them have actually established a brand name or a, a great deal of success in the industry. By and large, and like I said, you're the one who seems to be able to have, you built a huge reputation, a successful business, and yet you'll still wander in there and have these conversations. Most of the rest of the big name fitness professionals, they don't spend the time on social media. They don't spend the time arguing. And my entire point to this is, to a lot of the listeners, is I say stay the fuck out of this shit. If you've got someone who is running their mouth thinking that we need to lock this down for 18 months, ask yourself, is this really someone that you want to be spending your time, uh, A, absorbing on social media, scrolling social media, instead of going in and making, making some more uh, instructional YouTube videos and working on that or... Uh, writing or fucking like spend the time reading RP stuff and going back to the first uh, tangent you're on. One of the best things you can do at your time right now, if you've got extra time is go get some of these RP books. They're not very expensive. They're fucking loaded with great information. And you're going to come out the other side of this, you know, a better, uh, more skilled pro profession. Um, so your thoughts on, you know, getting caught up in these social media discussions. And then I want you to finish this all up with uh, some ideas for how, you know, the listeners, can best use their time now to be successful as the shit eases up. Totally. Uh, I'm sorry. I completely agree with you. These discussions are a gigantic waste of time for almost everyone involved. Uh, truth be told, the reason I get into them is twofold. One, um, it's a, a, a bit entertaining to me in some sense, like um, conversing with people is entertaining, uh, having discussions about logic and trying to understand the world trying to understand people's perspectives entertaining. And two, I'm always trying to sharpen the blade or keep it sharp for the ability to argue to convince someone or to argue to understand. Um, and so I enter into a variety of discussions, uh, much less than I could. could. <laughs> so it's still a very, very like uh, rare thing for me to do with an average use of my time. I might spend like an hour or two a week um, engaging in these discussions at my peak times and much, much less usually. Um, but for me, a lot of it is because I kind of want to sharpen the tools or keep the tools sharp for how to engage with people. Um, and when I let myself get uh, personal or start being mean um, or quippy, I, I really beat myself up about it on purpose. Um, and I try to get better and better at just maintaining a cool and just trying to see, you know, try to give people the benefit of the doubt. So uh, there's the reason I do that stuff. 
Um, but I totally think that most people, including myself in an alternate universe, should not be doing this kind of engaging because it's wildly pointless, correct? And to your point of what folks in the fitness industry should and can be doing at this juncture, um, you know, a big thing that you already said is investing in learning. I think a lot of people specifically, for example, let's take personal trainers. Our personal trainers, especially pretty successful ones, are so busy. A lot of them lament that they don't even have time to read about new best practices and theories, ways they could become better trainers because they're busy working their asses off 12 bucks or 12, uh, 12 hours a day. You know, if you're in a major city and you're a personal trainer, sometimes your take-home pay per hour is like $100, sometimes more. But like if you're a successful trainer and for each hour you work, you can make $100, man, it's tough to schedule in time to learn and update shit. You know what I mean? Like it's a cash grab and it makes total sense. Like I can make $1,200 fucking dollars today if I just work. So a lot of times it's really tough to stay on top of knowledge. And now you bought yourself or, well, coronavirus, thank you, bat from China. Um, the bat bought you some time to be able to invest in knowledge and really revamp a ton of your approaches. So absolutely learning is a super great idea right now. Listen to tons of podcasts, watch tons of YouTube videos on this stuff, read a bunch of books, read a bunch of articles, perhaps rework some of your templates. A lot of folks train people online, they've been training people less. A lot of people can rework their templates, their approaches, their uh, materials that they send out. Now is the time, it's kind of downtime, and uh, you know the fitness industry will be back. It'll be better than ever. You know, whatever number of months down the road, you might as well have used this time to make yourself better prepared to do your best job, versus using this time to just be in despair about how you don't have as much income anymore, so on and so forth. So, absolutely, a time uh, to improve and get better. And it's a time to try to sharpen your willpower by sticking to your own fitness goals and your own diet goals in a time of uh, you know very restricted and limited options because you may figure out a whole bunch, not just through practical approaches of, oh, wow, and I really know how to do dumbbell rows because I've never had to do them for this long. First of all, second of all, you could figure out a lot about your psychology and thus other people's psychology of how to work through difficult problems. So, you know, because sometimes us in the fitness industry have been doing our fitness bullshit for so long, when our clients say, you know, like, it's tough for me uh, to make it to the gym, or it's tough for me to get these meals going. Some of us are like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, this is easy shit. You just do it. But like when we're throwing a huge curveball in our way of life and we adapt to it, we learn through that adaptation of how something can be very difficult and how to overcome it, best practices, so on and so forth. Not only can we generate more empathy for people to come in from a tough place when times are normal, we can have a lot of means of helping them and be like, hey, listen, I know where you're coming from. I've been in tough situations too. Maybe let's work on slowly doing just a couple things well this week, seeing where that goes. Like there's some examples. So it's absolutely the time for bettering your skills, sharpening the sword, because when you go back to training people and you go back to work in the fitness industry or see an increase in your client load or whatever, it's going to be back to just using what you have and much less learning. Um, shit, I thought I wanted to throw in there. Uh, sort of lost it. I'll, I'll just sort of say that uh, I went back. I was gifted a, a redo of PN, uh, Precision Nutrition's Level 1 uh, Coaching Certification, which I actually think is really good. So I've actually been blasting through that with my spare time. I've also been reading books on writing. I've been trying to put more time into it. Here's what I was going to say. I found that you can kind of go one of two ways. And one is an upward spiral of good attitude. And one is a downward spiral of negativity. Is if you find yourself, even though this is more challenging, we're more stressed out, it's a little harder to devote our willpower to doing good things. If we put that time and effort into study, uh, working out constructive things, then you feel really good about it. And then it perpetuates that yeah. good spiral. If in reverse, you spend uh, two days completely on the couch, you, you're doing a lot of drinking, you, your eating is really poor. And, and that's not that extreme. I mean, that's, that's a lot of people, this fucking pandemic, let alone with it. So you start getting into that cycle. And I've noticed that if I have a day where I don't do anything, which was the early part of this as I was dealing with more stress and anxiety, because like, sure, God, what the fuck is going on in the world? Then you start feeling really shitty. It's a little harder to get out of bed. And then it becomes a really nasty downward cycle. So if any of you guys are finding yourself in that downward cycle spiral, it's not a bad idea to just like try to schedule something positive and fuck it, force yourself to do it a little bit, gain a little bit of momentum in the other direction. Yeah. Watch yeah. That. Actually, before Tiger you- Tiger King was tough. 
Did you? Did yes. You it? Yeah. Okay. What did, did you guys it? watch it? No. I, I loved it, but like, I mean, I love it for what it is. Um, I didn't try to sure play. can't love for anything else. I'll tell you that. Um, yeah. he, he married his high school sweetheart, so Dean didn't get out in the world to experience a lot of the crazy shit that was out there. So he's living vicariously. I was through. a bouncer. <laughs> I've seen. I've seen these things. Like I've seen. <laughs> I've yes, right. That's, exactly. that's what we're really talking about here. Like it's just like it's just like yeah. But that yeah. What do you think about Tiger King before we let you go? Uh, so it was really funny. One of our uh, longtime RPOG clients, um, uh, Trevor Fulbright, he's hilarious. He's he's from Oklahoma. So right after Tiger King came out, he like razzed me about something on uh, Instagram, and I was like, no, 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 don't you razz me. You explain Tiger King. And he's like, man, I don't know, meth. I'll just say meth. <laughs> and boy, does that explain a lot. Uh, it does. You know what? Go ahead. I was going to say it does. Like, it's about meth. Yeah. Like, I know yeah. it's not, but it is. Yeah, if you take meth out of that equation, a whole lot of that just doesn't happen. Uh, you know, it's funny because it's almost like a, like a symptom catalog of meth, like paranoia, delusions of grandeur, insane amounts of energy for no reason, real cyclical crash and burn, poor use of money, meth. So... I will say that watching Tiger King was a chore for me because my wife and I, along with Jared Feather, who's staying with us at the moment, we watched it. Jared had already seen it, so we saw it twice. <laughs> and uh, he thought it was great. Um, it was laborious for me because when I watch movies or any sort of entertaining things, I like to be able to identify with a character and be like, ah, there's a, here's the good guy. You know, like, this is a good person there's no fucking good people in Tiger King. All completely insane, vile fucks, except for like the guy with no legs. He was pretty cool. And then, and then the guy with like the long hair took care of the animals. He was cool, but he was also clearly like had drugs. No, he didn't. So, this, so did you see the afterwards one? No. He said he's like never, he, ever since he's been on jail, he's been sober. He's just fucked. He's like, I'm just fucked, but I actually don't drink or do drugs. And everyone's calling me a meth head on Instagram and stuff. It's like, it kind of hurts me because, I don't actually do that. And he was like almost in tears. And I was like, oh, sorry. Like, I the long guy. Yeah, the long hair guy, the, the zookeeper or whatever. He got just yeah, yeah, yeah. on okay. like social media. And he's like, I don't go on. Because well, he looked like he was super drunk for the one shot, right? And he was like passing out. And, and maybe he was lying. I just felt bad because he was like. Because he's fucking working. lying. Because he was on drugs on video. Oh, it's like when you hear hoofbeats. I'm, I'm not thinking zebras. Sorry. It's probably a lot more simple. It's probably. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. You know, I like to like have some hope after watching that. <laughs> That's is. exactly what I didn't have after watching Tiger King is hope. And it was like the lady saving the tigers very likely killed her husband. So she's fucked up. And then the, the guy himself, Joe Exotic or whatever. I mean, fuck. But like one thing I will say, thing I'll say is that like, boy, is he so like such an interesting reflection of modern America where like if he was a straight man, you, it would be so easy to be like, this is like the right wing America gone insane, like trading in animals, <laughs> like it shooting goes, guns. It goes back to your point before you like get you to tell us where you had it. It's like he literally, so he went for governor and 90% of people voted for him, which is crazy. But all those people yeah. were shooting guns at aliens during Independence Day. Like, 100%. Every single one. Yeah. Right? You would think like this is this is it. Like this is insane. But then like he's gay. And you're like, like if you're afraid of far and left and you watch Tiger King, you can't even be a fucking conservative ass. You're like, oh, it's so nice that like he's married to a guy. But then he's like married to two guys. And you're like, I don't even know how I feel about polygamy. It's like... <laughs> The whole thing is just wild, and like, I almost want to like make sure the whole world sees it, and just I just want like as a real sick joke to just lie to the world. Like, if you've never been to, the average person is Joe Exotic. It's very very similar to Joe Exotic. So if you come to America, expect most people to be like this. Wouldn't that be great? Well, it would solve the immigration problem. No, for sure. Oh my God, um, you mean solved by having more immigrants come to America because they're so ready. To be a part of this awesome country where Joe Exotic is the average citizen. Yeah, or exactly the opposite. Well, they'll all end up in Canada. Then shoot up and say, "You guys can all come here." And, uh, That's we'll, nice. Yeah, no shit. Uh, yeah, let everybody know how they can find you if they're not already following your shit. It's been great to have you on here, Mike. 
Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, probably the best way to find me is Instagram at rpdrmike, R-P-D-R-M-I-K-E. And then uh, Renaissance Periodization, tough to spell, but if you if you do a YouTube search for Mike Isretel, then uh, the RP channel comes up, and I've, we're putting out a ton of YouTube content, a ton of instructional videos, a bunch of stuff about how to take exercises, modify them for hypertrophy, and make sure you're not screwing them up. So, uh, yeah, give it a look on there. Yeah, I know it's, it's great to have you. We had, uh, you mentioned Gabrielle. We had Gabrielle for everybody who's listening on a while back. And Gabby's just cool. She's an awesome person. And, you know, you've been on a bunch of times. If people want to explore more of this stuff, you're on with James. Actually, I should uh, reach out to James because we're trying to get a whole bunch of people on right now. We're doing two a week. And so I figured I should cool. definitely I'm just doing Tiger King reviews like so. <laughs> James will have a lot of those, I promise you. Like, you're the only one to indulge that question. So I'm, like, very happy you came on. Because I was like, I've been What? Everyone else hasn't. A lot of people haven't watched it, and I was like, "All," and I was like, "We're busy doing stuff, so obviously we're not busy." But I'm like, "It's just like you said; it's a reflection. It's totally. a learning experience." For I envy those people because I don't want to remember Tiger King. I want to be like them. I, I'm never. You can't unring that bell, so I'm not. No, doing, you can't. You haven't I'm, watched it either, have you? Don't. Oh, and there's don't do it. Shit that is floating around out there that I'm just not going to do. Like, in fact, I almost, as a rule, stay away from Netflix documentaries. Uh, I think the only yeah, major documentary that I ever saw was probably the progenitor of all this crap, which would have been Super Size Me, all these other weird health documentaries. I never watched uh, you're, what... You're blaming was. Super Size Me for Tiger King. Uh, Reasonable. Yeah. Actually, no, actually, like, it's well, that far-fetched. That, that's, like, that's like... Right. That's how... What's, what's the devil? It started, it started it as a thing. Harry Potter is the reason why we have the Maze Runner, right? Uh, or... Uh, Fuck all, all those other like teen books that became uh, became big things for a while, right? and then if you want to really go back that far, we have Harry Potter because we had Lord of the Rings. So you you can draw these linear progressions as to why responsible for Tiger King. Gotcha. Um, well, not quite he said it. He said it, like you basically said that. So I don't know. My, I, I would ask Mike, but I know Mike has to go. But Mike would have a pretty long logical answer. And we could have another podcast on this. So it's it's, always, <laughs> it's good having you out, man. I know, I know we kind of went everywhere with that, but it was it was nice to catch up and, and kind of just get your state of stuff. And yeah, I think everyone can kind of learn from even just thinking like you is going to be helpful in some form or fashion, um, even if they can't think all the way like you, which is also probably helpful. Yeah, for sure helpful. Uh, good God, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. Guys, thank you so much for having me on. Real pleasure. We'll be dropping this one on. Shut up and sit down.